Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Good to be with you all again uh, this morning. I do thank you for just the opportunity to kind of get some of the the tongue-tiedness out, if you will, today. Uh, Many of you know, yesterday I donned a pirate costume for most of the day, spoke in pirate most of the day, and it was really hard waking up this morning and not wanting to do the same thing as we continue to walk through 2 Peter. Uh, But thankfully, I think I've gotten that out now. Uh, thanks be to God. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we are still in Second Peter this morning, Second Peter chapter 2. We are still walking with Peter as he writes to the church about the problems that they are facing with the false teachers. And I know that many of you may be like me at this point in chapter 2. You may be getting tired of this particular subject about false teachers, and you're probably ready to move on to something a little more joyous, Uh, Perhaps something a little bit happier or lighter, if you will. And uh, I want to assure you that we will be wrapping up chapter two this morning. But if that is you this morning, then I want to take a moment to remind you of a couple things that we've already been talking about as we've been walking through uh, 2 Peter so faithfully over the past few weeks. First of all, I want us to remember that repetition is a good thing. You see, in repetition, in Peter's second letter, which is all about repetition, Peter is reminding the church not only about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the the glory of God, but he's now reminding the church about false teachers. He's reminding them about what they look like and what they sound like and how as a church uh, they can be faithfully on guard when those false teachers come. Because again, as we stated last week, it's not a matter of if they come, but rather a matter of when they come. Secondly, I want us to understand that not only is repetition a good thing, but the only way to be trained in a skill is through constant repetition. You see, even when it comes to recognizing words or beliefs that are false, it gets easier when we begin to practice um, what it is that we should be looking for and what it is that we should be listening for according to the word so that as believers in Christ, we can recognize when people are speaking things that are false. Whether it's in our uh, daily lives, what it is we view, whether it's on social media or even in our workplaces. Now, I am reminded of a time when uh, we dealt with repetition when I worked at a credit union not too long ago. You see, we spent an entire day and a half training uh, through repetition and being taught throughout the course on how to recognize fake bills and how to recognize bad bills. You see, we could get to a point where we didn't even need the the brown marker to be able to mark on a bill to be able to tell whether or not it was fake. We could tell by uh, the touch of and then the feeling of the bill. We could tell by distinguishing marks that we could see on the bill versus ones we didn't see. It got to a point where even the bankers on the floor could even tell a fake bill before it was placed on the table and any type of transaction was even made. Now, why would this be so important to a bank. Well, the reality is it was important to us because we didn't want the people or the bank itself to ever get scammed. You see, I think this repetition today about the false teachers is, is, is true of what Peter is trying to teach the church. You see, Peter didn't want the faithful in the church. He didn't want the body of believers. He didn't even want mature believers, let alone new believers, to ever be scammed within the church. 
And so in our text this morning, Peter wants the believers to be aware of the seriousness of the false teachers by understanding both their depravity and the doom that comes with following them. So Peter continues to write about these false teachers in order to raise awareness about their deadly influence. You see, Peter understood that awareness inspires reform. And so in our text this morning, Peter's going to be much more direct. Peter's going to be much more in your face as he seeks to raise an awareness about the false teachers and ultimately drive a healthy fear into the hearts of believers so that they will not only recognize false teachers when they come, but then they will also be able to resist them. So again, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join me in 2 Peter chapter 2, and we will begin reading in the second half of verse 10. Now, once you have found your place in the Word of God, if you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word. Now again, this is 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in the second half of verse 10. Peter writes, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious one. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these... Like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person so that he is enslaved... For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now again, if I could set the scene for you uh, briefly here, Peter details really the sins and the debauchery of the false teachers in a much more graphic and a much more descriptive way than we saw this past week in order to further justify the condemnation that we read about for the false teachers just a week ago. So this morning in our text, Peter calls the church to never forget to be aware 
of the false teacher's work in order to better recognize when they come and when they are in their midst. So in our text this morning, Peter gives us or gives the church three points about false teachers um, that the church should never forget in order to be aware. So let's look at what Peter wants the church to be aware of when it comes to false teachers. The first point he wants us to see is found in verses 10 through 16. Peter teaches us that we should be aware of their depravity. Now, Peter opens this text by revealing that the depravity of the false teachers itself is extreme. Now, really, when you think about it, this should honestly make sense for us because we now live in a world where we want more and we ultimately desire more. We live in a day and time where where bigger is now better. If you don't believe me, take a look at, at what we purchase within our lives. We buy things like widescreen TVs because regular TVs are not enough. We buy things uh, that say that, that used to say HD, but now HD is no longer enough. Rather, what we'd ultimately want to get is ultra high definition. Even extreme sports themselves have become so popular that they've made their way into mainline television and sporting events like the Olympics. You see, we live in a time where it is more enviable to to push the limits of all that we know, of all that we say, and all that we do. And this same thing was true of Peter's day as well especially amongst the false teachers. You see, these false teachers were now teaching that you could still presume grace upon yourselves and over your lives and yet live off the charts when it comes to your own sin. You see, they had taken the doctrine of total depravity to a whole new level and were doing everything that they could to convince others to join them in their sin and in their debauchery. In fact, it's the second half of verse 10 where Peter writes, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Now, there's been some debate on who Peter was referencing here when he spoke of the glorious ones. And we don't have enough time to get into that. However, that is a good conversation to have at some point. But let's not miss Peter's point here. You see, Peter is teaching that false teachers practiced with unrestrained license how they now interacted with authority. They revealed an extreme arrogance in how they verbally usurped the authority of those who hold a higher rank, or whether in speaking to church leaders, or if you believe that this passage is referring to mocking angels. In fact, Peter says of these false teachers in their words, he calls them boldly arrogant, meaning that they have a blatant disregard for those who are in authority over them. They have no problem speaking defamation over that authority. And as if that wasn't worse, Peter continues to double down on his argument against these false teachers, and he says of them in verse 11, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Notice here that Peter makes the comparison That though the angels are much stronger, though the angels are much more powerful than these false teachers, even the angels themselves exercise restraint against them because they know that judgment belongs to God. In other words, even the, the angels understand the one who has authority. 
Even the angels, in the midst of their might, in the midst of their strength, even they know when to speak and when to remain silent, though they are greater and stronger. It was Thomas Schreiner who said at this point, he said, false teachers have an amazing confidence in deriding authority figures. But their confidence, unfortunately, isn't tempered with any wisdom or humility. Now again, do not mishear what it is that Peter is teaching us from these first two verses. Our teachers and our leaders can and will mess up. Our deacons, our elders, our adult discipleship teachers, our leaders, all of us are prone to sin. We can say and do wrong things. And so in that, it is okay to ask questions in grace. It is okay in that moment to ask questions of them to protect and to preserve the unity of the church. However, this is not what Peter was talking about. This is not what the false teachers were doing within the church. You see, they were undermining God's ordained church leaders by refuting and countering all the teachings of the prophets and the apostles. And we know that this clearly contradicts what was taught throughout the New Testament. In fact, if you go back and look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You flip over to, to Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. Paul writes, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. You see, the Bible clearly shows that as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to align ourselves under the loving leadership and faithful biblical instruction of the local church's God-ordained leaders. And so church, we need to be aware at this moment. If people are causing you to question your leaders, you may want to take a step back for a moment and ask the question on what biblical grounds are they seeking to create this divide? Peter continues in verse 12. He says, but these, speaking of the false teachers, he says, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Notice that Peter teaches that false teachers operate on the basis of desires and feelings rather than reason. And so their words will become empty and ultimately it will be their words that will lead to their own destruction. You see, these false teachers don't know when to stop talking when it comes to things that they truly know nothing about. In fact, we can recognize this person when he says things like this, where you weren't there so you do not understand. The problem with that statement is they weren't there either. And Peter says at this point, they are showing themselves to be fools. They are showing themselves to be irrational animals. And like irrational animals, they will fall victim to their own fleshly desires because of their unwillingness to button their own lips. And their destructive words will lead to their own destruction. Verse 13, Peter continues about these false teachers and he says this, that they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. Here Peter teaches that the church that the lust of these false teachers now has no limits. You see, while people were out working and, and, and doing their part, not only for the glory of God, but, but seeking to better their community, these false teachers were working as well, but the work they were doing was that they were out rabble-rousing at this point. 
Their debauchery had become so prolific and so great and so celebrated that it was not even hidden. And in fact, it became so grotesque that even during the day, the Romans themselves, those who didn't believe in Jesus, would cringe at their sin and debauchery. And so Peter says of them, they are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. Now this feast that Peter refers to is actually the common meal that took place after the Lord's Supper. A meal to promote unity within the church. A meal to promote fellowship within the church. And Peter says that these false teachers were so unhinged that they used this meal, they used this time to defile the body of Christ as they continued in their own self-indulgence. Verse 14, Peter says of them, even further, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. Peter says that, man, these guys... They weren't just committing debauchery during the day. They weren't just fulfilling their their lust during the day, but these were the guys who were always sizing up women for their sexual desire, that it was dominating their way of thinking at this point. These were the type of, of people who claimed to be followers of Christ, yet they would often joke about the sexuality of other women. And so Peter warns the church to be careful with them because they may be looking at women as targets of infidelity. And yet Peter's still not done. He says they entice unsteady souls as if it weren't enough to lie, as if it weren't enough to to walk people away from truth, as if it wasn't enough to to live out your own debauchery during the day, as if it weren't enough to, to talk about infidelity in a way that seems to be celebrated. Peter says, no, they also talk of their own influence because you see, here's the truth about false teachers. False teachers do not want to travel their road alone. They want to drag you and me down with them. These false teachers do not want to to travel this road by themselves, so they use eloquent speech in order to convince others to join them on their perverted path, and they do it all either in the name of missions or in the name of ministry. You see, these false teachers will say and do whatever it takes to pull people from the local church. They will do whatever it takes to get them to join them in their own sin. In fact, it was Douglas Moo, who a famous scholar, said it this way, pleasure, in other words, is a goal never reached. It is always somewhere in the distance, urging one on to new and usually more sinful practices, never quite satisfying. But again, pay attention because Peter's not done with his training. He goes on to say of these false teachers that they have hearts trained in greed. In other words, Peter warns the church that these false teachers have worked for this moment. They have been training and practicing and devoting time and energy in developing ways to fulfill their greed, whether that greed was monetary or whether that greed was to continue to pull people away into their trap. They were so wicked that Peter says of them next, accursed children. Or a literal rendering, children under the curse. Peter reminds the church that this debauchery of these false teachers will ultimately lead them to the impending judgment because they are now under the curse of God, which means they now fall under the wrath of God. 
Peter moves from there into verses 15 and 16 and he compares these false teachers to the story of Balaam and his donkey back in Numbers chapter 22 to Numbers chapter 24. Now again, to summarize a very popular story and one that we often laugh about, Balaam agreed to a prophecy at the bidding of uh, Balak, the king of Moab. And he did this for his own personal greed and he did this for his own personal wealth and his own popularity and his own gain. And so here's what God does. In order to get Balaam's attention, he speaks words of conviction through a donkey. Okay? You don't know that story in the Old Testament, you really should go read it. Wonderful story. But here's Peter's point in drawing the comparison. Peter is teaching that God's word must always be listened to and heeded over the absurd, deceitful claims of those who speak only for personal gain. When we hear things and we think, hmm, That may not be right, or "Mm, that seems a bit divisive. We need to go to the Word of God. So Christian, hear the word of Peter this morning when he says, Christian, learn to be aware of the false teachers around you. Know that their goal, know that their words, know that their action, know that their their lust, they seek only to, to please themselves. Know that they have practiced for this moment. They have practiced for the moment where they could drag the church down with them. And so church, do not fall into their debauchery. Do not fall into their sin because judgment awaits them. And so Peter says, hear the word of God. Obey the word of God over what it is that these false teachers are now saying to you. Be aware of their debauchery. Peter moves on from there into his second point in verses 17 through 19 where he teaches the church when it comes to false teachers that we need to be aware of their doctrine. Now again, we have said this hundreds of times within this church and from this pulpit, doctrine matters, theology matters, knowing the word of God matters. And so here Peter affirms that statement as he reveals how the speech of these false teachers is now desirable upon initial hearing. But when you begin to compare it to the word of God, it begins to contradict the word of God, which ultimately reveals that their doctrine is empty. Peter says in verse 17, He says, these are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. Notice here that Peter is speaking about the words of these false teachers and comparing them to a well and then to a cloud. And ultimately, Peter reveals that their words have no substance. In other words, Peter says they're like a well without water. They're like a cloud being driven by the wind that doesn't produce any rain. Their promise of a new life only leaves people thirsting for something that truly satisfies and the teachings of the false teachers will never satisfy. In fact, Peter says that that satisfaction is only found when Jesus Christ is preached. That satisfaction is found when the accurate teaching of the Word of God is being preached. And so Peter continues in the text about these false teachers, and he says, For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Notice that Peter here says that they will not just experience darkness in their final judgment, but rather they're going to experience gloom. In other words, the darkness is going to be thick. The darkness is eternal. The darkness that they will experience is terrifying. In other words, for for people in our society who say to us today, listen, I'm okay not being a Christian because I understand that hell awaits and I can't wait to get there because it's going to be one big party. No, it's not. There's eternal gloom, 
eternal darkness, eternal wrath being poured out. There is no party. It is a prison. The only party that there will be at that point will be the celebration of those who knew Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The day where we will celebrate the true freedom that we have in Christ. Peter continues in verse 18 and he says, For speaking loud boasts of folly, they being the false teachers enticed by sensual passions of the flesh. In other words, these false teachers have now convinced themselves that their words carry weight. They've convinced themselves that they themselves are important. In fact, more important than the word of God itself. But what happens is that their words are actually hollow. Their words are are filled with falsehood. Their words are filled with stupidity. In fact, Peter says that their immoral lives and words will continue to seek to lure away new believers or those who may not have matured within their faith. And the reality is these false teachers love leading away those who do not know the word. They love leading away those who are new converts because they seek to train them in, in a way that leads to a heretical religion or in a false belief system. Peter continues in verse 19, and he says this of them. He says, listen, these false teachers, they promise freedom. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Notice that Peter teaches us here that these false teachers are overcome by their own evil conduct, that they were willing and, and, and willing and able to compel others to fall into the same bondage that they were now in, seeking to pass off this bondage as some sort of free, freedom. In other words, false teachers are prisoners talking to others about freedoms that they do not themselves have. You see, they are the people who today say of Christianity that it is a belief system that restricts people from a free life. Yet the reality is, is they don't see their free life only leads people to the chains of sin that entangle and restrict for all of eternity. Again, hear the words of Peter when he says, Christian, be aware of their doctrine. Do not fall into the trap of a false and weak doctrine. People will come promising the world. People will come promising freedom. But true freedom is found in Christ and what he has called us to according to the word. So Christian, be sure to be aware and don't fall into the traps of those who proclaim a false and empty doctrine. Why? Because doctrine matters. Why? Because theology matters. In fact, as many other scholars have argued to this point, to this day, listen to a podcast this morning saying the same thing. If you believe in missions then you must believe the word. If you believe in missions and want to serve on mission, then you have to know the word, which means you know doctrine. This leads Peter to his third and final point. Verses 20 through 22, and Peter tells us that not only are we to be aware of their debauchery and also be aware of their doctrine, but now he says this, he says, be aware of their nature. Now let's just pause for a moment, okay? Because I want to begin this last section by acknowledging the fact that we all have a sin nature, all right? We deserve death because of our sin, but thanks be to God for the grace given to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. 
You see, as believers in Christ today, we live and breathe and move in this grace. We obey the word because of the grace that has been shown to us. We faithfully walk out the word and live out the word in our lives because of what it is that Jesus Christ has done already on our behalf. But sadly, even though all of us can agree to these statements, this was not true of the false teachers in Peter's day. You see, Peter was speaking to both the false teachers and now he was speaking to those who had chosen to follow these false teachers. And he says that because of their apostasy, it is unlikely that they will ever return to truth. In fact, in verse 20, he says this, For if, after they escape the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Literally, Peter teaches us that these false teachers have heard the gospel. They they understood the meaning of the gospel. And yet they chose the world again. They had been duped by the the false freedom of the flesh of the world to the point where, where they thought that they were saved, but the reality is they never were from the beginning. Now again, this sounds like a harsh word coming from Peter, but let's understand what it is that Peter is saying. Peter has often spoken of knowledge in in 2 Peter chapter 1 into the first part of 2 Peter chapter 2. And by this point in verse 20 of 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter tells us that the knowledge that they had of Jesus Christ never took root in their lives. Now again, Peter is not saying at this point that it is possible to lose their salvation. In fact, in fact, that would contradict everything that he's already taught us back in 1 Peter chapter 1 and again in 2 Peter chapter 1. You see, in those chapters, uh, Peter literally teaches the church that we are called to endure. There's a perseverance factor that comes to our faith. And so what Peter gives us, in, in particular, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 1, he gives us what he believes is the heart of the doctrine of eternal security, which is found in endurance and authenticity. In fact, this, this word to endure as believers is found throughout the New Testament. We see it in Romans chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 3, Jude, Revelation chapter 2, and again in Revelation chapter 3, just to name a few places. Jesus himself uh, spoke of endurance the same way Peter does here. When you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 22, and he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, Peter is teaching us that walking an aisle, praying a prayer, inviting Jesus into your heart, joining a church, being baptized, though good, all good things, does not guarantee entrance into heaven on its own merit. In fact, Peter says that only those who not only do these things, but they continue to live a life of godliness in endurance will inherit eternal life because they recognize that not only is Jesus Savior, but then they also acknowledge him as Lord, meaning that they will faithfully obey and endure to the end. You see, people often ask, well, how can we tell whether or not Christians are faithful believers? Well, look at their perseverance. Perseverance is the mark of whether a person is the real deal or not. In fact, I think it's safe to say that if you are saved, then you will endure. But at the same time, if you endure, then you are truly saved. 
You see, Peter teaches a powerful lesson here when it comes to our faith. He teaches us with greater knowledge comes greater accountability. In fact, in verse 21, he's going to continue. He says, For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now, this way of righteousness that he is referencing here is the pathway of salvation that is found through faith alone in Christ alone. But then I want us to notice the phrase here, and I would encourage you to underline and highlight it in your Bible because this is a good one. It's the phrase, to have known. You see, here's a perfect infinitive here. Peter is literally telling the readers that these false teachers knew the way. They were fully aware of the way along with the consequences of leading others away from faith, and yet they ultimately snubbed the grace that has been offered to them by Jesus Christ our Lord. Peter is literally saying of these false teachers that they are so bent on evil that it would have been better for them to have never known the gospel than to know it and yet speak and live against it. You see, this is actually considered unforgivable. Not because God is unwilling to forgive, but because these false teachers refuse the grace and the forgiveness that has been offered to them in the midst of their rebellion. I mean, let me, let me unpack that thought for a little bit because I don't know if, if we as Christians understand what's going on here. It would be like this. It would be like going to the doctor. And you're at the, let's say you're at the hospital. I Pick your hospital that you think is amazing. I ask everybody here, what's the best hospital in the area? Everybody's got a different answer. Thanks be to God. Okay? I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful people aren't saying this is a horrible hospital. Stay away. Okay? Nobody has said that. Thanks be to God. But just imagine for a moment you're in a hospital bed. And imagine for a moment that you're sick. And imagine that all of a sudden a doctor and a nurse walks in and with you and your family, they say to you, look, you are sick. Clearly, I'm in a hospital bed. I didn't come here for rest or fun, right? You are sick. But what we want you to understand is this. We have a cure for you. And when I'm talking about a cure, I mean 100% recovery. No, no side effects, no crazy things happening to you. You're not going to grow a fourth or fifth arm. You're going to walk out of here intact. It's literally going to take us minutes to do this. Minutes. One shot, or maybe you're not a needle person. One IV bag. Again, that still involves a needle. I understand that. One pill, whatever it is, it'll cure you 100%. You'll never have to deal with this again. In fact, you're going to feel 40 years younger. What would you do? You're probably going to say, sign me up, right? Well, that would be true if that were us as believers, because that's what we did in Christ. But we're talking about false teachers. They would have said, no. No. I'll continue to take my sickness. I'll refuse the one person who could heal me. I'll refuse eternity. 
And as if that wasn't enough, Peter now finishes this whole text with probably one of the weightiest condemnations about these false teachers. And he does it in the midst of a proverb. Verse 22, he says, What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Now, this is very similar to what we read uh, in parts of Proverbs chapter 26. And so, uh, when you look at this passage, Peter is literally referencing that of the dog and the pig. Now again, I recognize that dogs are cute animals. I am a dog lover myself. Pigs can be very cute and resourceful animals as well. But remember, we're talking about Peter's day. Amongst Jewish culture, even in the Roman Empire, both of these animals were thought to be unclean during Peter's day. And so Peter says of these false teachers that they will be like the dogs and the pigs. They will always revert back to their own natures. A dog will return, according to the proverb, and eat his own vomit. The pig will return after being cleaned. The pig will return to the mud. Why? Because their natures remain unchanged. They will always go back to what it is they temporarily rid themselves of. I mean, just think about that for a moment. That's kind of sick if you really think about it. I mean, I, no offense to anybody in the room, but this is one of those reasons why I can't understand why people allow their pets to kiss them on the face. Like, do you know where their mouths have been? Just think about that for a moment next time a dog's looking at a face. Just think. Think about this passage. You should quote this passage to them. Do you know that dogs will return to their own vomit? Thanks be to God. Pet the animal. Peter's point is this. False teachers like unclean animals will return to the sickness and the filthiness of their sin. Sure, they may have heard about grace. They may have heard about forgiveness, but they will still choose the moral filth of their own worldliness. And so Peter teaches that the false teachers will believe that they are part of the community of faith, but their nature will always expose them as they return to a sin pattern that has been seen before again and again and again. So Christian, hear Peter's words. Pay attention to those who are around you. Do not, for a moment, allow yourself to fall into a pattern of sin. Do not allow yourself to follow, fall back into a pattern of worldliness. Yes, you're going to sin. Yes, I am going to sin. Yes, you will struggle with sin. Yes, I will struggle with sin. But in those moments, as Christians, let's seek grace. Let's be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's seek forgiveness, not only for ourselves, but for others as well. Let's seek accountability. Because sometimes we can't do this on our own. But yet at the same time, let's be aware of those whose natural base leads them back to sin again and again and again. Christian, it's time, according to Peter, to be aware of those who have established a repeated pattern of sin and division. And according to Peter here in this moment, he says, listen, let's recognize their nature and let's make sure that we ourselves do not fall into their traps. You see, Peter's hit home with some incredibly weighty and heavy teaching about false teachers. But I want us all to understand that Peter is not speaking out of frustration here. He's speaking out of his love for the church. 
He's speaking out of his love for the body of believers. He's speaking for the purpose of seeing the church continue to fight for unity and to rid itself of these false teachings that are happening all around them. So Peter here is really being a true shepherd. Peter, in the midst of his love, was was tired of seeing the sheep being mauled to death by false teachers and wolves who had come into their church. Again, these words may sound harsh. In fact, they may hit close to home for us today. But for Peter, Peter would tell you this morning, it is better to say something for the purpose of seeing correction than to allow people to continue to be led away into sin. Peter loved the church. But at this point, he was done being the nice guy, which is where we should be as well. As Christians today, we need to shun false teachers. As Christians today, we need to warn others about false teachers. As Christians today, we need to make sure that we are holding one another accountable to who or what we are now listening to. Why? Because false teachers can have a damaging influence on the church if we are not being watchful. You see, through seeing their depravity, through seeing their their doctrine that is empty, through seeing their nature that will always expose them for who they truly are, we, the church, are being called by Peter to never forget to be aware. So church in grace, in celebration, in trials and hardships, wherever you may be, keep your eyes and your ears open. Stay close to the Word of God. Find yourself growing in your understanding of the Word, being discipled by like-minded believers. Find yourself a part of the local church. Pray over your homes. Pray over your faith family. Pray over our missionaries and our leaders. Pray over your own soul. And when the wolves come, not if, but when they come, make sure that you can recognize them and be prepared to fight to take a stand, to boldly proclaim truth, and to ultimately live with endurance because the spiritual well-being and the unity of the church depends on it. To God be the glory. May we faithfully rest in His Word today. Let's pray together.